Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Today is our final message as we've launched our church theme and and our new service format that we'll be launching in Easter. Uh, We launched it on the second uh, Sunday of the year and our Three to Thrive series. This is the last in that message. Next Sunday, actually tonight at 5, I'm very excited about the message. We'll be in Genesis 39, studying the life of Joseph as we continue uh, verse by verse through Genesis. And we'll continue to study Joseph next Sunday morning as uh, we'll be finishing that series that we've been in for over a year uh, together. I guess the Joseph series is a little newer, but the Genesis study over a year. And I think this is week number three in the Joseph series. Um, but we'll be finishing that in the next month or two. And uh, so if you, you want to join us tonight at five, and then again next Sunday, we'll be back in there. But today is our last uh, message in this Three to Thrive series. And uh, this message, we, we came out of the Genesis series. This, mess, this series has been very important as we lay the groundwork, understanding biblically what are the principles that are guiding what we're doing with what you see on the walls there, sit in one, serve in one, share in one, three to thrive, the idea where we're really encouraging everyone that's a part of Liberty Baptist Church, um, not just to be Christian consumers. Not just to come, receive content for an hour, hour and a half, and leave, but to be committed contributors in the body of Christ according to the principles and the truths laid out in the New Testament, and those that were taught by Christ and the Apostle Paul and so many others throughout the New Testament. So uh, we've been looking at all of those things. We've, we've been laying out the purpose of this change, the Bible principles behind it, and explaining our church theme and uh, breaking it down each week. And ushers, if you can grab the booklets as well as the commitment cards, I want to make sure we've done this every Sunday, but if you're, maybe I've met several that are here for the first time, if you did not, have not over the last few weeks received one of these, or you did and you don't know where it is and you were looking for it and it got thrown away and you'd like another one or whatever the case may be, we'll get these booklets out. And then we have, we want to make sure everybody has one of these commitment cards. Today is what we talked about, Commitment Sunday. And so even if you're a guest, I want you to have this so you know what we're talking about and you can see it. And uh, just ushers, come all the way forward. Raise your hand if you need either one. As they come to you, you can let them know, I need which one, one or the other, or both. And uh, they'll get those out to you. We want to make sure that every person has that booklet, as well as that commitment card. So just slip your hand up, and we'll get both of those out to you if you need either one of those. And we'll be talking about that. Week one in our series was Vision Sunday, and we really laid out the big picture of what we were doing. We went through that booklet that, uh, that you're getting right now about life at Liberty in 2024. And then week two, we talked about the first part of Three to Thrive, which is what, church? It is sit in one. Sit in one. What does that mean? We're launching on Easter Sunday a 9 a.m. and a 1045 service. And we're encouraging every person in our church to be a part of a, one of our corporate worship gatherings 
in our church every week. And we talked, I don't have the time to go through that, we talked about what should be happening in a biblical church service, why do we need to gather, what's the purpose, and we went through all of that. And that's where, what this is about. You see some people wearing some of the shirts after church, everybody can get their shirt based on what service they're planning to attend. We've called it Team Tan and Team Blue. I'll be preaching in both of them, so we got my custom shirt. We'll auction this off afterwards. If It's a one-of-one, one-of-a-kind custom shirt team. I'm like a politician. I'm on both sides, right? Team Tan. I'm, I'm friends with all of you, all right? We want unity in the church. And somebody told me that the back of my shirt says, join me at 945. That's, we don't have a service at 945, all right? So don't do that. Some of you are going to sign up for the 9 o'clock and come at 945. Don't do that, all right? 9 o'clock or 1045. But, um, but we talked about sitting one. And then last week, we looked and we talked in sitting one. Biblically, we looked at it. Our commitment to our church gathering, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And we looked at some other verses. It should be faithful, not sporadic. We talked about if you're physically able, it should be in person, not online. Now, I, I welcome those that are watching online that we have multiple people I'm praying for right now. One got taken to urgent care this morning with a sickness and others, and I, I got a text from one of our teachers that was in urgent care yesterday and said, praying for the service, I'm watching this morning. I'm thankful that that online option is there where you need it, but if you're not providentially hindered, we should be gathering weekly in with the body of Christ. And we talk about all the reasons for for that, biblically speaking, um, faithful, uh, uh, not sporadic. We talk about on time, not late. And uh, several of you last week, you were very proud of yourselves. You let me know you made it on time, and I'm proud of you as well. And uh, then we talked about contributor, not consumer. And last Sunday was our middle piece of our Three to Thrive, Serve in One. And that's on that commitment card. You can see on the back, we need right out 400 volunteer slots filled for our Sunday and Wednesday service teams. And I'm asking every person in our church to consider where can you serve? And we looked biblically. Why should we serve? What's the reason for that? Why do we have that? Where can you jump in? And uh, many of those on the back are weekly commitments. Some are once or twice per month. But I was encouraged. After last Sunday, I got an email. I think it was Monday morning. I received it, or maybe that's when I read it, from Diana, who teaches a ladies' Bible study on Sunday morning in our church. She said this. She said, Pastor, your message on serving went along with what I shared in Sunday school. We're going through the letter to the Philippians, focusing yesterday on Epaphroditus. He was a companion in labor to Paul. The book I'm using had this quote, we think giving our all to the Lord is like taking a thousand dollar bill and laying it on the table. Here's my life, Lord, I'm giving it all. But the reality for most of us is that he sends us to the bank and has us cash the $1,000 for quarters. We go through life putting out 25 cents here and 50 cents there. We listen to the neighbor's kids' troubles instead of saying, get lost. We go to a committee meeting. We give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually, giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. 
And she made this slide that shows um, what she showed her ladies last week, how as we serve on a weekly basis in what might not seem a real glorious way, what are we doing? We're giving God our quarter. I thought it was a beautiful illustration because, again, sometimes we think of the Christian life as, I've got to do this big, amazing thing. No, I need to do small things really well, really faithfully for a lifetime, and God uses that to do big, amazing things. Isn't this what this is? We're sending 115,000 copies of Scripture in the Korean language uh, overseas, and who knows what God will do with this in, the, in the, that land. And how did it happen? It happened one cover being folded at a time, one thing being collated, one staple push at a time, one cutter, one put in a box, and before you know it, together we all did little things, and we saw something great happen there. And Diana said, I hope I can spend my $1,000 before my chariot comes to take me home. Thank you for feeding the flock. I walked away full yesterday. Love the Merry Widow. She always calls herself the Merry Widow. And I appreciate Diana's encouragement. What a great, but that's what we're talking about. Where can you plug in to spend your quarter every week in your life and, and serve in one every week? And we haven't turned in the cards yet, but there's already been a great response from our church family. Zach Church, who leads our live stream ministry, told me last Sunday, he said, I think we're just about covered. He said, we could use one or two more that would be willing to help with some of the live stream on at the 9 a.m. service, um, but we're pretty much covered. I had Jen McMains, who's helping to launch the new coffee team. Um, she told me, we, I, think, I think the card said for that one, it said a 10. She said, I already have a dozen folks that have talked to me about wanting to be involved in that. I think we're, we're covered there. And, and we we could use uh, others to consider the children's team, our choir, security, and all of those other things you see there on the back. But let's spend our quarters each week in faithful service to our Lord and see what God does collectively as we serve Him. And it might seem like what we're doing is small, but the work He does is great. And uh, as the song says, little is much when God is in it. And uh, I do want to make mention of this. One of the things on the back there, it says in the nursery, and we're going to get to the Bible here in just a moment, but it says in the nursery, it says a minimum of once per month, which is totally fine. And that's what we've always done because I don't want, if somebody serves at 10 a.m. right now on a Sunday morning, I don't want someone serving every Sunday of the year at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. They'll never get to join the church family and hear the choir and hear preaching and, and come. They'll never be in a Sunday morning service. So we've had that where in the nursery or on security, we rotate those that are serving in those services. With our new format, if you love the nursery or you love security, it, now you can serve all, every week in a certain spot like that in the children's team at 9 a.m. and never miss a Sunday service at 1045. And so for those that might, maybe right now you're serving in one of those areas once a month, you might be able to say, I'll do that twice a month, or I'll do that every week that I'm able, physically able to be here. I'm not out of town, and, and I'll do that. And if somebody took that slot on security at 9 a.m. every Sunday morning, that one person, instead of needing four people to fill that for a month, one person would cover all four of those. Does that make sense? And so I want to make sure that we're all understanding this is opening up where you can serve in some of those areas and not have to weigh it out, am I going to miss Sunday morning service, and be there. And... Uh, and so this morning is our final one, which you can see there, share in one. And what do we mean by this? Here it is simply, as a church family and as Christians, we are better together. Simply put, we need each other. And I'm going to show you from the Bible how that's true, but the reality is, biblically and practically, we aren't supposed to walk and live the Christian life alone. 
That was never God's plan. We are, we are supposed to be together. We, and so as a church, as a pastor, as a church leadership, we want to provide opportunities for you to grow in community, for you to grow in relationships. It's a major reason why we have our weekly community groups and why we've named them that. Some churches call them Sunday school, others call them life groups, others call them connection groups, others call them uh, Bible studies, small groups, you name it. We chose community group because we wanted to convey one of the purposes of joining one of those was for you to begin to grow in Christian community, for you to get to know people, for you in a smaller group. Here's the reality. When you come to church, it is very easy if you are not intentional, you can come to church. You can slide in, say hello to the people as you walk by that are out there greeting you. You can honk at Evan who holds a sign up, honk if you're ready for church. You can wave at the cute kids, come in, say hello, sit down, listen for an hour, uh, hour and a half, be in our service, walk out, say hello, thank you, and leave, and never truly begin to build relationships. And that is not God's plan for your involvement in your local church. God, and I'm gonna show you, from in two main thoughts here this morning, why that's true. But it's been said, and this is, this is not scriptural truth, but I think the principle is, is right. It's been said, if people are not building relationships, it, it, people that visit your church, if they're not beginning to build relationships within six weeks and finding a place of service within six months, they probably won't be attending in six years. And again, it's just a pithy little statement, but I think the, 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 tr- the, the thought is true We are meant to grow in community. We are meant to contribute. We are meant to find ways to use our resources and our gifts for God's glory. We need each other. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Give your Bibles. We're going to go to Acts in chapter number two. Acts in chapter number two, it's easy to attend a church for weeks or even months and never really connect with anyone. It's easy to do that, but it's not profitable and it's not biblical. I had one person, faithful, faithful lady in our church, She told me, I went to a church, and she named a church here in Orange County. She said, our family went there for over a decade, and I never met the pastor. And again, I'm not, that might be her fault. She, she probably, there were probably opportunities. I'm not criticizing the pastor, the church. They probably have other structures, and I get it. I served in what would be called a mega church before I moved here. I understand some of those challenges. Here's what I'm telling you. That is not the biblical model of church that we see. If you're attending a church, you should know who the pastors are. You should be growing. You should have a mentor or a spiritual leader, someone that is meeting with you, that you're growing in a group where you're getting to know people, and you can ask questions. And you can pray together, and you can cry together. You can do those things. And again, sometimes it's not the church or the leadership's fault. It's our fault. We're not taking that, that step to do that. With the busyness of everyone's lives, I realize connection can be a challenge, but I also realize that connection is a choice. You have to decide how deeply you want to connect in whatever church you attend. And by the way, not only is it a challenge and a choice, it's a command. What does the Bible say? How do I connect? The Bible says this, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. It's interesting as a pastor, I talk to a lot of people, and, and at times, and what I hear most of the time is, 
That was one of the friendliest churches I've ever been to. Man, I can't believe how friendly that church is. Oh, we're just, we felt so welcomed. Oh, it was so, we, we loved it there. And I got to meet this person and that person. And this one invited me to coffee and whatever it might be over after a few weeks or whatever. I'm going out to lunch with that pastor. I hear that a lot. And then at times I get emails that say, we've been coming for a while and I just haven't met anybody. I just haven't found a place to plug in. By the way, I'm not saying one is right and the other is wrong. What I am saying is often you're going to get out of something what you put into it. The level to which you want to plug in is where you will plug in. I'm going to explain some of the practical ways that we are providing opportunities for you to share in one at the end of the message. But I first want us to understand why this concept is so important from a biblical perspective. I'm going to give you two main reasons why you should consider plugging into our church family. This is where God has you to serve and worship and belong. Acts chapter 2, we see the example of the early church. Acts chapter number 2. Verse number 42, notice this, it says, this is right after Pentecost, in verse 41, 3,000 souls were saved and baptized. This small fledgling church is exploding in attendance. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They kept learning about the right teachings from Scripture. And fellowship, do you see that there? Relationship, breaking of bread. Some would say that's communion. Others would say that was eating together in a home. Either way, both are biblical. Both are, are, are told Christians should be doing both. And in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Notice this. And all that believed, verse 44, all that believed were what, church? were what? Together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. By the way, this was not socialism or communism. This did not mean that wealthy people couldn't exist. God, there, God has used wealthy people all throughout history and all throughout Scripture. What this meant was they had such a relationship that when somebody had something and another was truly in need, they said, let's help meet that need. Let's be a blessing to that family that's struggling. Let's help them there. Why? Because we are a family. We're together. Verse number 46, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. That's definitely not communion. That's definitely going together and, and, and eating together, doing life together. They did eat their meat with gladness, notice this, and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Daily people were saying, I want to be a part of that community. There's something happening there. Those people, they have something we don't have. They have a peace. They have an understanding. They, they understand Scripture. They, they understand truth. They, their lives have been changed. They have a unity. There's a joy. There's a care. There's a generosity. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. Do you know what you don't see anywhere in that example? You don't see consumerism anywhere. Well, what, what, how can my family be served, and what's the best program for me, and, and, and how funny is the Apostle Paul? I think I'm going to go over to Peter's church. He's, he's got a better sermon series going on right now. You don't see any of that. What do you see? It's all about we are going, you see here, community. You see connection. You see commitment. You see relationships. You see them being together. So why are we putting such an emphasis on sit in one, growing in the Word of God through the preaching of His Word and worship and singing and what we've experienced? this morning, and then serve in one, not just receiving, but giving. By the way, if a person is only receiving physically, if they're only eating and they're never exercising, are they going to be healthy in the long run? Yes or no? Spiritually, you won't be either. 
If all you're doing is receiving and never exercising, you're, you're, you're being fed, but you're never putting that to practice, you will not be as healthy of a Christian as you could be and should be. Serve in one and then share in one. So why is it so important to share? We see here the example of the early church, but I want to give you two thoughts, two main thoughts. Why should you consider this? Number one, the exhortation of Scripture. The exhortation of Scripture. All through the Bible, but especially in the New Testament, when it's speaking to Christians and to local churches, we are given command after command after command about the importance of building relationship, growing together, finding community, sharing together. And, I'm, and, and by the way, there are no caveats if you're an introvert. It doesn't say do all of this unless you're an introvert. All my introverts in the house? Nope, don't do it. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. All my extroverts in the house, let me see, go ahead. You don't mind raising your hand, do you? The ones that didn't raise their hand, those are the introverts, all right? There's no caveat, well, I'm an introvert, so I don't have to do this. No, it doesn't matter your personality, it doesn't matter if you grew up in a Christian home or you just started attending a church for the first time in your life, it doesn't matter if you're a Bible scholar or you're just now starting to understand the truths of Scripture, it doesn't matter if you're, if you, like me, preach the Bible every week, or maybe you're here and you're not even sure you believe the Bible, that doesn't matter. God wants you growing together. Now, He doesn't want you to stay there if you don't believe the Bible, and to be a member of our church, there is a profession of faith, I do believe that Christ died for me and all of that, but you're here today and you say, I'm not even sure I believe the Bible. Keep coming and don't come alone. Get to meet some people. Talk to us. Let's go out to eat. Ask your questions. Truth is not afraid of a question. Let's let God's Word answer whatever questions you have. But it doesn't matter. You need a church family to belong to, and not just to belong to, but to plug into. I want us to read a few of the verses, just a few. There are hundreds of verses addressed. There are hundreds of what I would call one another verses throughout Scripture. There are hundreds of verses addressed to this thought, and all the ones we're going to read today were written either to individual Christians, or almost all of them were written specifically to members of churches, the different churches of the New Testament. And I want you to read them aloud with me. We're going to read them together. We're going to go fairly quickly through them, but I want you to see the exhortation of Scripture. Would you read John 13, verse number 14 together with me? Ready? Begin. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. What is Jesus saying? Serve one another. It's kind of hard to serve one another if you don't know, if you don't know each other. It's kind of hard, and by the way, he showed him one of the dirtiest, grossest jobs that no one wants to do. Hey, do whatever it takes to help that person that needs help. It's kind of hard to do that if you're not really growing close to each other. Would you read John 13? A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love I don't have time to preach this and go through this, but isn't it interesting? He could have said a whole lot of things. This is how people are going to know you're a follower of Christ. He could have given a whole long list of things that we think are really important for Christians and to be an orthodox, good, solid Christian. And you know what he said? Here's the thing. They're going to say there's something different. The way they see you love each other. The way they see you serve each other. The love you have for people is going to speak louder than anything else you do. John 15, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
Romans 12.10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. By the way, written to Christians, how to treat those that they were doing life with in their church. In honor, what is he saying? Don't only serve one another, don't only love one another, but live for each other. In honor, preferring one another. Don't fight for your own way. No, live to serve each other. Romans 14, would you read it? Ready? Begin. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another, encourage one another. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye are also full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Hey, at times, you've got to know what you believe, you've got to know what the Bible says, so you can help correct a brother that's struggling. Admonish each other. Pick them up. Hey, you can do this. Hey, you might want to consider that. But you, you know you can't speak into someone's life like that if there's not a, a real relationship. He wants us growing together, serving together, loving together, living together, living for each other. Mentioned many times, Romans 16, 16, what does it say? Ready? Begin. Salute one another with an holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. This might be the, go back to that one. That might be the one, the, the one another that is found the most. And uh, this is, you still go to Middle Eastern countries, often this is their greeting. They'll go from cheek to cheek. And, but I don't know that we necessarily have to do, I, I don't think we, that's not our culture. That would be a little weird. I think our church might lose some people if we all started doing that. Some people might find another church. But I do like the idea. Again, what's the idea? The idea is, this goes back to sit in one. It's kind of hard to do that online. We're gathering together. I love when I see somebody come up and give somebody a hug or pray with someone or shake a hand, a pat on the back, a pat on the shoulder. What is he saying? Hey, be close to each other. Love each other. Salute each other. Next, 1 Corinthians 12. Ready? Begin. That there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another. We talked about this last week. Be united together. No schism. Care for each other. Galatians 5. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. What is he saying? Rejoice with others. Don't pick fights or be jealous in the church. Galatians 6.2. Read that aloud, please. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, just explain to me, if your church experience is slide in, say a superficial hi to a dozen people, sit, leave, and, and that's, what you, that's your church involvement, how in the world are you ever going to bear anyone else's burdens, and how in the world is anyone else going to bear your burdens? How? There's no way for you to fulfill that command unless you begin to grow in relationship. By the way, whatever burden you're carrying, you don't need to carry it alone. First of all, the Bible says we can take our burdens to the Lord and leave it there. But by the way, it doesn't only have to be, and I would suggest biblically, it shouldn't only be you and the Lord. God says, let some people come alongside you and pray with you. I got a text from Kevin this morning, uh, and he said, prayed much for your family this week, but especially your mom, your mom. My mom recently had a cancer diagnosis, and she's having surgery at the end of this month. And guess what happened? Just this morning, I got a text from someone in this church, and I've only mentioned that I think once in, in the church pulpit, but I got a text this morning that he said, I'm praying for your mom. By the way, that encouraged me today. 
My mom will watch this this afternoon. She lives in Northern California. She calls it Lunch and Liberty. She'll come and watch it. She's already like, I wish I could have been there putting Bibles together and, and send me a tan shirt. Even though I don't go there, I want a shirt. And my mom's my biggest fan. My second biggest fan. My wife's my biggest fan, right? Well, maybe my mom's my biggest fan. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but guess what? My mom will watch that now, and guess what? She'll be encouraged. She sent me a text this week and said, I got this book, said something about with cancer from Missouri. Do you know this person's name? I said, I've never heard of that name in my life. She texts me later on. I, I think, Gloria, she said it was a friend of Gloria Gilbert that mailed that to her. What is that? A church member heard a burden in a family and did a small thing to be an encouragement. I, I, that, that's what you need a church to walk through, you, through the burdens with you. But you don't get that if you don't plug in. It's often when people are walking through, I think the Garcelles, I think, Shannon, you've said something along the lines of, I don't know how people do what we're walking through with our family without a church family and without the Lord. The reality is there's great strength there bearing one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Ephesians 4, would you read it? Ready? Begin. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. You know what forbearing means? Forbearing simply means put up with each other. You see the word before it? If you go back to that one, teach, the, the, the long suffering. We don't really use that word very much, but it's not too hard to figure it out. It's a compound word. It means to suffer long. <laughs> to suffer long, long suffering, forbearing, put up with each other. <clears throat> what is he telling us? He's reminding us, if you're going to be a part of a family for any length of time, there's going to be some stuff you have to put up with. But again, what is the consumer mentality? You give me a bad haircut, I'm finding a new barber. I find a hair in my taco bowl, I'm never coming back to that Chipotle. Do you know right now at, at, at uh, Fashion, uh, not Fashion Island, at the Bluffs, Islands. Anybody eaten at Islands recently? You like Islands? Island? Let me see. How many of you like Islands there? The first Sunday we ever came to this church, Pastor Tomlinson uh, maybe not ever. I came here on my senior trip when I was in high school, but, but the first night we were visiting, um, I, th I think maybe it was on vacation we were here, and Pastor Thompson knew our family from way back. My, he's known our family since, or my wife's family, since she was an infant. But he said, oh, I want to take you guys to lunch. I, I wasn't the pastor here. I wasn't interviewing to be the pastor here. We were just a family on vacation, going to Disneyland, and going to church on Sunday. He took us to Islands. I think my wife and a couple of our kids got sick, got food poisoning that afternoon. We've lived here for eight years. I've been back a couple times for lunch meetings because it didn't bother me. We met there, Will, at Islands. I met you there, a couple others. You know our family has never been back in eight years? <laughs> if you ask my kids, you want to go to Islands? Ah! The younger ones wouldn't remember, but they don't even know what it is. The older ones are like, no way. My wife's not going to Islands. Why? They gave us food poisoning once. And by the way, I'm not against islands. Go there today. That was, that was 10 years ago. They figured it out, all right? I've been there many times since then. I haven't gotten sick. What am I saying? As consumers, something goes wrong. We just say, I'm not going back there. That's not the way a church is supposed to operate. Oh, they mistreated me there. They made a decision I don't like there. They, they did that there. I'm going to go find another one. That's not, God's plan is put up with each other, forbear one another. And then it goes beyond that. The next verse, what does it say in, in uh, uh, Colossians chapter 3, forbearing one another and what? Forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. 
Do you know who he's writing to? Christians in a church, the church at Colossae. He's saying, put up with each other and forgive each other. It's part of being a family. And if, you have, if you're having a fight, get over it, get over yourselves, figure it out, and keep moving forward for the sake of the gospel. First Thessalonians 4, ready, begin. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What is that? It's talking about the, the rapture. So it's teach good doctrine, but it's also comfort each other. Help those who might be scared or sad or fearful or misunderstanding scripture. Hebrews 3, but exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Be there when someone is struggling with sin. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Challenge each other to do good works. James 4, 11, speak not evil of one another, brethren. Don't gossip. James 5, 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What is he saying? Help the weak, help the struggling, pray for each other. I had a meeting just this week with a, a godly man that is walking through some deep struggles. And you know what he said? Part of God giving me victory in my life is James 5.16. It's me confessing my faults, getting them out in the open. Satan operates in the dark. And whatever you're struggling with that nobody knows about, I'll talk some about this tonight in our message on Joseph. Whatever you're struggling with, Satan and your flesh say, keep it hidden and fight it on your own. If anybody finds out, they'll lose all respect for you. By the way, that's not what the Bible says. Ye that are spiritual, restore such in one. Somebody tells you a struggle they're having, you don't lose respect for them. You come alongside and say, let's get victory. God's word is strong enough. God's, God can help us. Let's get through this. And, and Satan wants you to keep it in the dark. Jesus is the light of the world. And you know what? When you get your struggle out into the light, Satan loses a whole lot of his power. But when you keep it hidden, he keeps a whole lot of his power in your life. He says here to the church, confess your faults one to another. Now again, this doesn't go around, I mean, Gordon, I just share all my sin, but finding a godly person that can walk with you, and the Bible says, be careful if, that, if that's you that they're sharing it with, that consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. But we need each other, why? To help us walk through our struggles, our faults. First Peter 3, let's read it, ready? Begin. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous as brethren. Again, do you see it there? Family, I could keep going. It's just a fraction of the verses. Just a fraction, are you starting to get the idea? How could you possibly obey any of those encouragements and commands if you're not connecting with other believers? How could you do it? How can you live for each other? How can you serve each other? How can you pray for each other? How can you edify each other? How can you admonish each other? How can you uh, bear one another's burdens? How can you confess your faults to each other? How, how can you do these things if you're not growing together? And I think one of the dangers of modern Christianity is we have boiled it down to an experience and to a consumption of content. And God wants your church to be more than an experience, a worship experience, or some consumption of content. He wants it to be a family in your life. What is God's Word telling us? Don't grow alone. Don't serve alone. Don't cry alone. Don't rejoice alone. Don't suffer alone. Don't struggle 
struggle with sin alone, don't walk through life alone, you're supposed to be part of the body of Christ, plug in. So the exhortation of Scripture, and secondly, the last thought, the example of Christ. The example of Christ. How did Christ do life? How did Christ do ministry? In community, with other believers, every day, every hour of every day. You ever stop to think about that? He had a three-year public ministry. He was with his church, his called-out assembly, his ecclesia. He was with his church family. I'm using that, that term, but it's, it's, it's a picture. He was with them every hour of every day. Is it any wonder he was able to influence them so deeply in three short years? Yes, he's Christ, but also just the magnitude of the time they spent together. Christ was in community with other believers. He had a small group he was investing in and ministering with and growing deeply with. And then he had a larger group of followers outside of the 12 that he was investing in. And we see that when he went to heaven, there was 120 in the upper room. And then he had an even uh, larger group of people that he sought to help and influence. There were thousands over his three-year ministry that he had some level of connection with, that he had some level of impact on. He had 12 very close relationships, hundreds of others that were part of his life and ministry regularly, and thousands more that he interacted with. I think that's a really good model for us to think about in our own lives. A small group of people that we're investing in and that are investing in us, a larger group of people that we're growing together with and we're serving together with, and then through that, over the course of time, thousands of people that we have small touches in their lives. Christ had community but you don't need it. Christ wanted his disciples in community, but you're okay without it. I don't know that I I would want to try that without it. Your church should be a family you belong to, not a corporation you frequent. So within the program of the church, and I'm almost done, how can you do this? And by the way, this isn't the only way you can plug into Christian community, but in our programmatic piece of this, How can you plug in to weekly community in our church? We talked last week about joining a service team, and and that's a good way. You get to know people. Steve's on security. I'll guarantee it, Steve, you have relationships with guys through the security team you didn't have before you started serving in the security team. What happened? By serving together, they got to know each other, and they've done things, they've gone shooting off, you know, they've done things, activities, and over to homes and different things outside of church. Why? Because they joined a service team. We talked about that last week. That's one way to do that. Another one is to join a community group. And I'm just going to share what those options are. It'll take me probably four or five minutes, and we're going to wrap this up and have our prayer of dedication. I'm really excited for a new series of groups we're launching on Sunday mornings that will be ongoing. We're calling them Growth Track. These are going to be 10 weeks each. You can see here, 101, it's kind of like each one leads to the next. We're launching the first one on Easter Sunday, and all of these will be at 9 a.m. All of these will be at 9 a.m. every week. And we're launching um, gospel, it's, it's studying, it's, there's a short video-based portion of it, then there's Bible study, there's discussion, studying, understanding the gospel and how it impacts not just our salvation, but our sanctification. Then it will go into our growth as believers. This is, by the way, this can be for unbelievers, this can be for people new to church, this can be for people that have been in church forever. You'll get something out of all of this, but it starts with growth. And then 201 um, will launch in June. 
The second one, growth. And when we launch that one, another session of, of 101 will start again. So there's always an on-ramp for somebody to jump into and start the, the five-session thing uh, and see how they're going. And then we'll go to foundations, which is core Bible doctrines that we'll launch in October. And then in 2025, we'll launch our identity in Christ and how that changes who we are and how we live. And then storyline, which will be about understanding Scripture, finding Jesus in Scripture, understanding how to read the Bible, study the Bible, understand the Bible. These will be 10 weeks each, and I'm so excited for this because I believe it's going to help many of us to get further grounded in truth, understanding who Christ is, what He did for us, His Word, how to study it, how to read it, what it means. And what will happen again by the middle of next year, every quarter we'll be launching all, all five of those will be going, if that makes sense. So somebody comes to our church next April, they would jump into 101, into the, into the uh, gospel growth track. They would jump into that in April, and then they could keep going, and those will all go. But because they're supposed to lead one into the other, we're starting with just that first one. And so that will kick off, and some of you might want to consider 9 o'clock at Sunday, is, uh, 9 a.m. on Sunday is where you're going to share in one. You're going to go to that growth class. Um, and uh, by the way, we have a few of the teachers lined up for some of these, but there are some of you, the Bible talks about it, says when you should have been teachers, you still needed one to be teaching you. Some of you might want to consider, Pastor Ryan, I'd be interested to find out what that, that, that content, that curriculum, that material is. I might take one of those to lead once or twice a year. See Pastor Jay or me if you're interested in that. We have, I think, two or three of those where we have names, um, one for sure that's confirmed and a couple of the names we've thrown out. Um, but you might say... I'm really interested in taking, I'm really passionate about doctrine, and I'd like, love to maybe teach that one. And you can talk to Pastor Jay or me there and see if that would be a good fit um, for what we're looking to do there. Um, and, uh, and then we have, for all, all of the Sunday community groups that we're launching on Easter Sunday, by the way, these do not conflict or cancel our current midweek community groups. But we are launching on Sundays at 9 a.m., uh, Greg Logan will be teaching the Dunn Growth Track. Renee Baltazar is going to be teaching a Bible uh, elective class there. Steve uh, and Carol Krosky will be uh, leading a couples class there. Tim Montero is going to be teaching a teen Bible study, and we'll have our full nurseries and kids programs at 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m. Uh, Joe will teach a men's Bible study. Diana will teach a ladies' Bible study. Johnny Pham is teaching a teen Bible study, and we'll have full nurseries and kids programs. Let me remind you, the encouragement is, as you're looking at your commitment card and turning that in today or next week as you pray about it, and you're looking at sitting one, serving one, sharing one, the prayer is, and the encouragement is, that your whole family, if you have school-aged children, will sit together with you in one of the two worship services. So our family, my two kids are going to come from kids' program this after, this after the service, and they're going to get Team Tan shirts, because they're going to be sitting with Tiffany at 9 a.m. And then at 10.45, Tiffany's in the choir, she'll sing, she'll go to choir practice, the kids will go to Kids Point at 10.45 a.m. And, uh, and so... Uh, the, Everyone we're encouraging you to look at. By the way, everybody can't do everything. Some of you are like, I want to serve in eight teams, and I want to go to all six of those groups, and I want to serve in Kids Point on Wednesday night, and, and FOMO, right? I'm, I'm missing something. I'm, there will be plenty of time, and I know some of my friends that have that FOMO that are like, how do I sign up for all of these, all right? And, and you, you're not going to be able to, but figure that out. And for some of you, you'll be serving at 9 or, or 1045 and worshiping, so you won't be able to go to any of these. Um, you'll be going to a midweek community group, which the midweek community groups are going to continue as they have for the last couple of years. Right now, I think we have about a dozen. Those meet, and you can see it 
on your commitment card. They meet. We have one on Tuesday morning, a senior's Bible study. Tuesday night right now at the Smith's home, a Bible study. Wednesday night we have about a dozen. Thursday night is young adults. And so you can look at those midweek, where are you going to plug in in a community group in the midweek? And uh, for us, my, our family, we won't be going to any of the Sunday morning community groups. We're, we're going to be sharing on Wednesday night. That's what works in our rhythm. Everyone's got to figure that out for themselves. But I wanted to give you an idea of what's happening as you make an educated decision on where your family will sit, serve, and share. Let me also say this about this, and I'm almost done. Thank you. I know it's a mix of Bible truth on this series and then just some practical logistical things as we're making some big changes um, with adding groups and adding service teams and all of that. Um, Let me say this. We're asking everyone, if they would, to commit to at least six months of, of serving somewhere and or sitting in the same group, just so we have some consistency as we launch this. But By the way, that might not work. There's going to be something that comes up, and you've got, you're out of town, and you've got to come to a service you didn't commit to. We get all of that. Also, if you mark on here, I'm interested in this service team, you've not signed your life away in blood, okay? What that means is you're willing for that service team leader to reach out to you and to share information about what that would look like, and you can figure out if that works for you. If you're already serving in one of these, we want you to fill this out as well so that we know where we need volunteers. So we want, and some of you, it's, it's, I was meeting with somebody this week. He said, I want to um, serve, I'm planning to serve in, in the pastor's prayer team and as an usher and in the coffee shop. Three service teams, serving three, he wants to do. And I said, the way those work, you can do that because you can serve as an usher in the same service that you sit in. And you can serve in the coffee shop in the other one, and then once a month, you're, you're on the prayer, pastor's prayer team rotation during that service. Some of you will be able to do multiple things as you look at your schedule, what makes sense, but I want to make sure you understand what it is we're offering so you can make that decision well there. In addition, we have other opportunities throughout the year of fellowship, even the Seedline program we just did, great fellowship, people talking and chatting. Next Sunday night, we have the Home Bible Fellowships. Um, with the, uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, and, and by the way, some, well, what kind of church is this? You, you love the football more than you love the Bible. Number one, that's stupid. We don't. We, we, we watch football together once a year. We preach the Bible hundreds of times a year. Number two, by the way, fellowship is very biblical. Last year, there's someone sitting in this room right now, last year got saved at one of these fellowships, got baptized, was putting scripture together this week at Seedline, and is in church today. You know, we, God can do whatever He wants to do, and, it's a, and we, we enjoy that. There is a Bible uh, devotional and challenge that we give you during the halftime show that I record, and find one of those homes to connect. Why do I use that? Because it's next week, but we have stuff like that all through the year where it might not be a weekly community group, but there are other places where you're plugging in in activities. Today was a little different of a message, and I'm excited to get back to Genesis next week, but I, have, I knew this was necessary. I hope you got the idea from the exhortation of Scripture, from the example of the early church, and from the example of Christ, you're not supposed to live this Christian life by yourself. But you have to decide. Connection can be a challenge, but it's a choice. And it's a command. You have to decide how and where am I going to connect. And our church wants to help offer that to you so that you can fulfill those commands and find those great joys. If you fill this out and you have any questions, 
jot it down here on the front. We're going to be going through all of this this week, and we'll answer whatever questions that might be. Make sure we can read your email address um, or your phone number so that we can, we're going to get all this divided out to different groups and teams leaders, and they'll be reaching out to you in the next week or two as we begin to organize all of this. We'll also be taking these the next few weeks, and so if you want to pray about it for another week, you can. When you turn it in this morning, that's when you'll get um, your tan or your blue shirt and pray with us. Again, I said this last week, we're not doing all of this because the pastors were sitting around like, we're kind of bored and don't have a lot to do. What's something we can do that would take a whole lot of effort and work and planning? We're doing this because we believe as you and our church family embraces this and jumps into this, it's going to help you to grow in ways you've not grown before. It's going to give us opportunities to reach people we've not reached before, and we're going to see more people serving more people growing, more people living in community with other believers than ever before. I firmly, firmly believe that. And so that's what this is about. I want to encourage you, if you're that one that's been sitting on the sidelines, you slide in, you sit there, you slide out, take the admonition from Scripture. God has more for you in this Christian life, if you'll plug in. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.